of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I prefer that now up here a little bit better than down there. I don't know. It just seems to you know, break the flow a little bit. Don't you? you? You like that? No. Okay. Thank you for being honest. Uh, neither do I. Not really. Uh, I, I passed by, you know, this week I was kind of contemplating what to do with this, how to go about this. And um, I, I am not the type of person who wants to go to the store and buy something only to then destroy it. Don't get worried. I'm not going to destroy this, okay? I'll be in trouble with Nancy, my wife, other people in the church. Good grief. I'm not going to do that because, uh, we, you know, we just don't have money to toss around. So, but I passed by this, this one thing. I looked at it, and it was in the alley uh, as I was pulling out of the alley by where we live. And I saw it, and I went up to it, and I said, that would be perfect. And I looked, and the whole bottom of this clay pot was just, had disintegrated. It was gone. It would have been a hole. And I thought, yeah, I can't bring that into the church. That'll be nasty. Who knows what in the world happened to it. But this is, for all intents and purposes, let's call it a clay pot. It might be ceramic. Ceramic, I don't know what it's made of, what, what kind of material that stuff is. But if anybody knows, you can just shout it out right now. Okay, thank you. Um, but, you know, most, most of you, you've seen the little, the little pots that people use to put uh, dirt and plant some flowers. And, and they're usually that clay, that terracotta-type uh, clay that is used. And, and in order for it to get to that process, it has to go from being just normal, regular clay to being worked and handled. Now, I know that most of this stuff these days is sort of mass-produced in some way, but if you've ever seen a potter work at forming a pot or a jar or something like that, it's a fascinating thing, and it's a process. It takes time. It's not easy. They have to know what they're doing. They have to know the right amount of pressure to put on that particular piece of clay. They have to know when to put some added water, how fast to spin the wheel, when the clay is actually moldable and shapeable to be able to then begin to, to, to work on the process of hollowing that, that piece of clay out in order to then make it be uh, something that can be of use. Now I'm going to put this down here. I won't put it in the right spot, I'm sure. But, Nancy, go crazy after service with that if you want. Uh, it is in a, it's somewhat of a fascinating process that people go through. I've seen it done. I remember when I was in Bible college, we actually in one of our classes had somebody come in who was a potter. They worked with, with pottery, and, and they, they right there in the class, and of course began to teach a lesson uh, about the fact that, that the Lord is the potter, we are the clay, and, and they begin to mold this particular thing. But the Bible says here, and I want you to go with me now, if you're not already there, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm just going to read one verse of Scripture. Next week, the Lord willing, I want to minister a message 
basically entitled, How Not to Be a Cracked Pot. But this week, we want to talk about the pots. We want to talk about the jars of clay. The Bible says this, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This week, we're going to talk about the jars of clay because we have to understand who it is that we are in the light of who God is. I know that there is a you know, we, we like to, to really get a hold of some of the little cliches and phrases. I know a number of years ago, the phrase was, I'm a king's kid. Uh, and that's, that's good. It's inspirational. It helps us to understand, yes, he is the king. We're his children. And we are king's kids. But you know what, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, we also have to remember that we are essentially jars of clay that we have been molded the bible tells us in the book of genesis that he came and he formed man out of the dust of the ground you say well i'm not sure i really believe all of that you know in the book of genesis and i i you know they've been telling me in school about evolution and all of that and i and i i say for the purposes of this I prefer the idea that he formed me out of the same material that evolution says you got formed out of. Because it shows that when he formed us, there was a purpose to it. Now, evolution says it goes way, 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 way back. The problem with evolution is, is that they can't actually say where the way, way, way back started and who started it. How did all of that begin? They can't tell you. No one can tell you. God seems to have it already right there, out there for us, for us to understand. He made man and he formed us out of not gold. He didn't form us out of, you know, some beautiful, wonderful kind of material that would be of great value. But instead, the Bible says that he formed man out of the dust of the earth. Out of the dust of the earth. Now, the one thing, and I want you to see, there are some things that I want you to see about these jars of clay. They have been formed, they have been made, and you and I are here today, we are the jars of clay, all right? We have been formed from the dust of the earth. In fact, we also know this, that when we go by way of the grave, eventually to dust you will return. You will decay, the body will decay it will return to the basic same materials that you were formed from. But we also have to realize today that God had a purpose and a plan for the jars of clay. He had a purpose and a plan for everything that He desires to put into us. And brothers and sisters, you are not an accident here today. You need to recognize that regardless of what's happened in your life, you are here for a purpose. You were not put on this earth by accident. You are not the result of some, you know, primordial soup years and years and hundreds of millions of years ago. You are not the product of some, 
some tree, evolutionary tree that, that connects you to some other lower form of animal. But instead, the Bible lets us know that God created us. And if He created these jars of clay, then there must be a reason. We'll get to that reason next week. But I want you to notice some things about the jars of clay. Now that particular pot that I put up here is, first of all, fragile. The one thing that we have to remember about these jars of clay is that we're fragile. I went through a period of my life called teenage years where I did not understand fully how fragile I really was. Most teenagers that go or become teenagers don't ever begin to think that they are fragile. I'll just share this personal experience with you a little bit just to kind of give you an idea about how fragile we really are. Back in 1994, spring of 1994, I got a phone call from my sister or my mother. I can't remember who it was, but she said, Paul, my brother-in-law at the time, had had an accident. My, my, and and he, was, he was riding in a Jeep. He had allowed a, a teenager, a young girl, to drive the Jeep out on a back road in Maine, out on a dirt road where it's, it's really not regulated. Um, I suppose if they had met a police officer or somebody, they, he might have had something to say about it, but allowed the girl to get in the driver's seat. The girl didn't really know how to drive very well. And Paul decided that he wanted to stand on the back of this Jeep. And he was going to stand there while the teenagers and, and my oldest niece was also in the Jeep as well. And the, the girl was driving, didn't really know what she was doing. I don't know if she hit a bump or if she kind of jerked the vehicle back and forth a little bit, but was going at a high enough rate of speed that Paul lost his grip on the vehicle and fell back on the road and hit his head. And by the time and, and at that moment had actually died, one of the girls knew CPR, revived him at least for a, for a time, but by the time they got him to the hospital, he was already brain dead. And my brother-in-law passed away shortly thereafter. They had him on, on life support and, and just was unable to live as a result of that. A simple bump on the head. A little bump on the head. And you are and I am so fragile that our lives could be over in an instant. Brothers and sisters, we have to realize today and never allow ourselves to become so very, you know, so proud about what we've done and what we've accomplished that we don't fully recognize how short life really is. Listen, when we all come, when it all comes down to you, you look at the, the span of life. If you live to be 95, it's but a blip on the radar screen of eternity. It is nothing. It is a drop in the bucket. And brothers and sisters, I got to tell you, if God made you to be a vessel, if he made you to be a jar, it's for a purpose. It's for his plan. It's for his will to be fulfilled in your life. Don't allow the fact that you are so fragile to make you go after things that will do absolutely nothing for you in the end. 
You see, we can break very easily and very quickly be destroyed. Listen to what the Bible says. You don't need to turn there, but listen to what James says in James chapter 4 and verse 14. The Bible says this, why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. He says this, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. But pastor, you don't understand. I'm young. I'm in my 20s. I'm in my 30s. I'm a young man, a young woman. That's nothing's going to happen to me. I'm going to live to be a ripe old age. And who let you in on that? Who showed up at your door and said, Ooh, you got to look at this. Look, I just saw what your life is going to be. I just saw you're going to live to be 142. And you're going to win the Guinness Book of World Records for being the oldest person in the world. I just saw that. Nobody knows that. You're a jar of clay. You're fragile. Brothers and sisters, this pot down here could break so easily. All I have to do is knock a hammer next to it and boom, it would break. You and I are so fragile, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And that's the amazing thing about these jars of clay, is that God wants to fill something so fragile and fill something that, that He has made with Him and His treasure. And brothers and sisters, it will make all the difference in the world. But we have to remember that these jars of clay are incredibly fragile. doesn't matter how old you might be today. How many of us know? How many of you know? Friends and, and you know, you, maybe you know of friends that have not made it out of their teens because they were involved in some kind of drive-by shooting. They were in the wrong place at the wrong time and you have had to stand over their casket and you have had to look at that jar of clay. You've had to look at that lifeless form. No, they're not dead. They're living somewhere. You need to know that. You see, that's the thing about the jars of clay. As fragile as we are, we continue to live on. You have been given eternity. Eternity has been put in your heart. You will live somewhere. The choice that you make now will determine where. You've stood over that casket and you realize they had a whole lot of life ahead of them. Why in the world? Am I standing here? And just for a minute, doesn't it make you think about your own mortality? Doesn't it make you think, that could be me? Almost every funeral that I've gone to, I've, I've assessed how short life is for myself. How short life really is. We are so fragile. Brothers and sisters, I, can I encourage you today, don't waste your life. Don't waste it chasing after things that somebody wants to come along and they want to put stuff in your pot. They want to put stuff in your jar. They want to put stuff in your life. And you know what? You need to know there are dangerous things that could get into that. We'll get to that in a moment. Not only are we fragile, but you also need to know that these jars of clay are ordinary. It's an ordinary thing. Let me pull this pot back up again, shall I? Watch me break it. This is an ordinary item. Absolutely ordinary. Now, these are fake plants in here. They're not real because 
uh, history has told us that we generally tend, any, any real plant we put in the church, we tend to kill. Uh, not, not intentionally. We don't, you know, it just, just sort of happens. So we get, you know, fake flowers, like fake plants, and, and they make them look so nice. But this pot right here, it's an ordinary thing. It's made out of ordinary material. By its very makeup, clay is not a very valuable substance. Sorry, over there. Clay is not a very valuable substance. You can, it's in the ground. It's dirt. It's, it's earth. And yet, you look at it and you say, but you can make something so nice out of what's in the earth. Yes, you can. But it's still ordinary. You see, you can put beautiful, if you were a potter, let's just say, pretend that you are for a minute, that you are somebody who can work with pottery. And maybe you, you know, the first thing you made, I remember, uh, you know, you have kids who, who in kindergarten or first grade or whatever, they go into art class and they come home with this little clay pot, right? And it has been made out of clay or this little clay jar. I think we have one of those hanging around. Yes, we do. Uh, that Jamie made in art class and came home and painted it. It looks so good. Well, that's the beginning stage. But let's just say you've advanced past, you know, forming something that looks sort of crude, but to a parent, it looks awesome, by the way. Um, but to others, they look at it, yeah, no big deal. But let's say you've advanced so that you can now form this particular thing. And you see some of these designs that are on it? Look how nice, how, how ornate they are, and you can get fancy with it all, and I don't know what this thing is made out of, but you, you look at that particular thing, and there's, there's all kinds of fancy etchings on it. Oops, and my bad, sorry. And, uh, you, know, you, you, you know, it looks really nice. And you think, you go to the store, and you're looking at the pots and, and the, the things that you maybe you want to use for flowers, you want to use for something else to put the dirt in. You look at the one that's just sort of plain, and then you look at this one that has all these ornate etchings in it. That's the one I want. Why? Because on the surface, it looks great. But can I clue you in on something? Made out of the same stuff. You might look at other people in the body of Christ might say, man, that person can really sing. I, I've heard people sing that made me never, ever want to sing again. Ever hear anybody like that? I've heard, I've heard preachers that made me never, ever want to preach again. I've, heard, I've seen people, I thought to myself, man, if I could do stuff like them. They're so talented. They have such great ability. They have such great skill. I don't ever want to tread into the area that they are able to, you know, that they obviously are very skilled at performing. But you know what? When it all comes down to it, brothers and sisters, they are as ordinary in terms of their makeup as you are. You and I are cut from the same cloth. We are made from the same stuff. There are those who, who can just, they have a sense for business. They have a sense for one thing or another. They have a sense for, you know, projecting what, you know, what's going to happen in the stock market. 
gifted in all kinds of things. Or maybe it's somebody who's just a talented performer and, and they just seem to be able to wow the crowds and everybody, you know, when they speak or when they, they perform, they, people are eating out of their hands. They just, yeah, they command that kind of a presence. But when it all comes down to it, the etchings on the outside, brothers and sisters, is nothing more than something that is superficial, something that is around. You are all cut from the same cloth, brothers and sisters. We are jars of clay, the same material. So for those of you who think, man, I don't have much to offer, you get around somebody who seems like they have everything to offer, don't ever back down. Don't ever stand aside and let somebody else take your place because you know what? You might be an ordinary jar of clay, but in the end, so are they. You have something to give. You have something to offer. And as an ordinary jar of clay, i got to tell you, you're going to have something more to offer when you allow the treasure that Paul is talking about in verse 7 to fill your life. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says this in Psalm chapter 8 and verses 4 and 5. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings. But here's what he did. He crowned you with glory and honor. That's just mankind. He crowned mankind with glory and honor. He looked down at man and he said, Man, you're going to be lower than the angels, but guess what? You're going to be better than the monkeys. For those who like to think that they came from monkeys, you're better than the monkeys. You're better than all of that. You are better than all of those things that are lower than you. I have given you dominion over them. I have caused you to rule over them. That's what the rest of the, the chapter goes on to say in Psalm 8. I've, I've made man to rule over all of those things. But you're ordinary. I'm ordinary. So what can God do with ordinary people? He can do incredible things. He can do extraordinary th things with, with ordinary people. God is still in the business of using ordinary people. He is still in the business of using somebody who looks like maybe they're a failure, maybe their past dictates to them that no, God can never use you. Don't ever let your past dictate your future. Don't ever allow that to happen. We are ordinary jars of clay. You see, I love... Paul in another place says that God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. That would be me. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the strong. Brothers and sisters, you might be sitting here today, you might be saying to yourself, I feel so weak, I feel so so ordinary, I feel so foolish, I feel so... Can I just tell you, you are the perfect person for God. You are the perfect one. God's got a plan for you. He's got a job for you. Not because of the ornate etchings, not because of the skills and the talents, but because you would be willing to stand and say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to use me for your kingdom. God has a plan for each and every one in this place. See, I can't break free from my past. Oh, fiddlesticks. You can break free from the past. You can only do it through the blood of Jesus Christ. But i got to tell you, He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You don't do it by yourself. You don't do it by some kind of mental exercise. And Let me get a self-help book. How many got self-help books on the shelf? 
Just curious. Can I tell you? All right, I'm glad there are like two people honest today. Can I tell you that this is the only self-help book you're ever going to need? It's called this. Go to the bookshelf, get it out, help yourself. Get into the book and let God help you. Help yourself to everything that he's got on these pages and then let him help you. We're ordinary. Here's the other thing that I need you to see. We're also expendable. I, I wrestled with this point a little bit because I thought as I, as I, you know, as I read a little more and as I studied a little more, I thought, you know, I, I don't know if I, I don't want to say that because I don't want to make people feel as though God is just going to, you know, the first little break that you get in your life, the first problem that comes along your way, the first failure that you have, the, the first thing that happens, he's just going to toss you aside. But there, the more I got into this, the more I saw that even though to the world we might seem to be expendable, there is somebody who is able to take what the world discards and he's able to put it back together. But I, before we even see this, I want you to see what sin can do to a person's life and how it can make you feel as though you are expendable, that you are just done for. Go with me to the book of Leviticus. Say, ah, of course you've got to go to the book of Leviticus. Oh, you've you, you got to know that. Leviticus chapter 11. Leviticus chapter 11. You know what? Let me just read a little bit more of this passage than the one verse of scripture that I want you to that we're going to look at or that I want to point out. Just because I want you to see what the Bible is talking about in the the book of Leviticus chapter 11. It's talking about what is for the Israelites clean and unclean food. And uh, God was very, very specific. He laid it all out in Scripture. Uh, to this day, the Jews understand, to, at least for them, what they believe is supposed to be eaten and what should not be eaten. But here we see in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, and I want to start just reading at verse 29. It says, Of the animals that move about on the ground, these are unclean for you. The weasel, the rat, I, I got you there, amen to that. <laughs> Ain't nothing about a rat I like. Any kind of great lizard, the gecko, the, modern, or the monitor lizard, the wall lizard, I'm reading in the, the NIV, if it's a little different in your translation, that's all right, the skink, I have no clue what that is. The chameleon, of all those that move along the ground, these are unclean for you. Whoever touches them when they, are uh, when they are dead will be unclean till evening. When one of them dies and falls into something, that article, whatever its use, will be unclean. Whether it is made by wood, cloth, hide, or sackcloth. Put it in water and it will be unclean till evening. And then it will be clean. Now, I want you to notice this next verse, verse 33. If one of them falls into a clay pot, everything in it will be unclean. Now, here's what's got to happen. 
you must break the pot. Now, if I were to break this pot here, it would no longer be useful for anything. If I were to just take a hammer and just, oh, I'd need one good little hit, boom, and that's it, no longer useful. The Bible says here that when something unclean entered the clay pot, not the other articles, not the other items, it says it's unclean, but put it in water, it will be washed, and then it will be clean later on. But when it came to a clay pot, a jar of clay, one of these things, if it falls in this clay pot, God says, unclean, break it, guess what? No longer good for anything. Toss it out. That's the law. The law says you got to get rid of it. Grace says it might be unclean, but there's a way now. There is a way for that clay pot, that jar of clay to become clean, and it's called the cross of Jesus Christ. Something sinful fell into your life. Something ugly and disgusting got into your heart and got into your life, and you let it stay there. But all of a sudden, the devil came along and said, you know what, you're nothing but a cracked pot. God can't use you because look at all the junk you've done. Look at all the sin you've committed. Look at all the stuff. Guess what? God's going to discard you. But I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, there was an age of grace that came in that said God is about ready to change how he views the jars of clay. And the world might say you can discard it. God says, I'm the only one who can put those jars of clay back together again and make them useful. Something sinful gets in our lives. And I know how people begin to think. They think, well, God can't use you. God can't do anything with you. But you know what, brothers and sisters, when it all comes down to it, I believe with all of my heart that when that sinful thing gets into your spirit, the way out, there is a way out, and that's what the Bible declares. God is not going to break you. He's not going to break you to the point where he can discard you. In fact, the Bible tells us this, and, and listen to what the Bible says. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 44, this is Jesus speaking, and he lets us know that you can voluntarily break the pot and God is able to do something with you. It's when the judgment comes and the judgment and the Bible lets us know, listen to what it says. It says, he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. In other words, voluntarily break yourself on him, the rock. And let him put you back together. Don't, don't go your own way. Don't be stiff-necked. Don't be hard-hearted and say, but pastor, i got to do my own thing in life. Listen, you can do your own thing in life all you want. That is your choice. That's the choice that God has given to you. But you need to know there's going to be a big old rock that's going to fall on you one day. And it's going to crush you. Don't be crushed. Be broken. Fall on the rock and be broken because that is when God is able to come and change the way things are. He is able to change your life. He's able to put it all back together again. The last thing I want to note about these jars of clay is that when they're made, and when they're done, they're useful. You see, there is a state, and 
a lot of times one, one commentator sort of focused on different words in the original language that could be used to show the state that this jar, this pot would be in. And one was before it went into the fire. See, before it goes into the fire, it is still in a, in, a, in a form that is able to be molded and shaped into something different. Paul is talking about something, and, and quite honestly, if it's in a state where it's not able to be, or that it's able to be formed into something else, it's not really useful. You can't pour water into it because eventually the water is going to erode it. It needs that process of going into the fire. It needs that glazing that occurs as a result of it to make it waterproof, to make it watertight, to make it be able to hold water or hold other things, things that can go into it to make it useful. And it seems as though the words that Paul is using here in the original language point out that it is not a pot that is in a state of still being molded and shaped, but it is in a state of what God wants to now use to be able to pour something into your life. Otherwise, he wouldn't say we have this treasure in jars of clay. Can't put treasure in a jar of clay that is still in a softened state. It has to go through this process. But I want you to see, brothers and sisters, these jars of clay, as jars of clay, we are useful to the kingdom. You might look at yourself and you say, I have nothing to give. I have nothing to offer God. And can I tell you, you have everything to offer God. You need to look at yourself in the light of who He is and recognize that God has a plan and purpose for your life. If He does, He wants to put something into you that will help to bring change in the world that we live in. And that is why He calls it treasure in jars of clay. We'll get to the treasure next week. But brothers and sisters, God sees you as being something completely useful to him. You might be saying to yourself, I've made too many mistakes. No, you haven't. You think God is shocked by all the junk in our lives? You think God looks at you and says, can't believe that. Hey, Gabriel, you know, the angel. Did you, did you see that? Totally caught me by surprise. All the junk in our lives, the world says, not useful. You know what I love about, the, about God is that he is able to take the junk, turn it around. He is able to take the junk, the stuff that even, you know, we got to get out of our lives. He's able to take and use that. He is able to take and use the testimony of what God brought you out of and how God delivered you from this thing and that thing. And He is able to bring about a change in people's lives as a result of your testimony. Brothers and sisters, you are useful to God. You are useful to the kingdom. And you need to know today that as a jar of clay, you are useful to Him. God wants to use you for His glory and for His kingdom. He wants to pour you out, brothers and sisters. And sisters and give to back to those that are around you. What are we going to do? What are we going to fill the jar with? Now it's your choice. You can fill the jar with junk even after he makes the jar. You can decide that you're just going to fill it with what you want to fill it with. And I got to tell you that 
from time to time, we do that. And on the inside, the jar gets unclean. It gets dirty. And you think, "Ah, you know, I've filled it with junk. I've made so many mistakes. Certainly God can't use me now. Too filthy in there. And, you know, the law says the clay pot's got to be discarded. No, that's the law. But grace has come. The cross has come. Jesus came that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. Look at all the people that Jesus touched when he was here on this earth. Look at the people who were so sinful. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a man who just, he ripped people off left and right. He robbed from them. He was an agent of Rome, so he was hated by them. But he was just, he was a tax collector. As a tax collector, he took more than he should. He said, yeah, this is for Caesar. Yeah, that's for Caesar too, but it really wasn't for Caesar. It was for him. Zacchaeus was a criminal. And yet when Jesus showed up to his house, Zacchaeus says, you know what I'm going to do, Jesus? I'm going to give back everything that I stole and more. I'm going to give it all back. You see, society said, guys like Zacchaeus, you toss them to the side, you hate them, you discard them, they're not good for anything, they're just good for lining the pockets of Rome and and themselves, they're not good for anything, but Jesus saw in him a jar that could be cleansed, a jar that could be washed out, a jar that could be clean, and brothers and sisters, and made useful for him again, and listen, it doesn't matter where you've come from, what you've done, you are a jar that can be used by God, you are useful, not just for your own stuff. You're useful for Him to pour in His treasure, His glory, His power so that you don't become a cracked pot. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Brothers and sisters, can we bow our heads today and just ask the Lord to help us right now?